We grieve for the present of what we're in right now. And we also are grieving for the future, uh, future dreams, future goals. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Hi, Maria. How are you today? I'm doing great, Wendy. And how about yourself? I am doing well. I'm so happy to have you here today and have this discussion with you about grief. Um, I read your bio, and I know you have some valuable information to share with our listeners today. So why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you so much, Wendy. Uh, I think like most people, I always feel, well, there's nothing special uh, about me, (laughs) right? Just an ordinary person that is experiencing life. And sometimes life gives us challenging moments. And that's basically what happened when my son ended up getting diagnosed with cancer when he was 16 and going through the roller coaster of that journey, which, you know, we kind of got used to it. And then, of course, when it metastasized, and then he passed away three months later, then that just brought on a total journey that I had never expected. Um, Even though we know that grief is around us, until you really experience it, you have no idea what someone else is walking through. And that's one of the reasons why I've made it my mission and my passion to talk about grief and to bring an awareness and also to help and support other mothers going through this journey because it is harrowing (laughs) to say uh, the least. And I know that you work in a field where you see it all the time and that comes from another aspect. And I really do say kudos because I know when my son was in the hospital, it's nurses like yourself that give the care and support that go beyond what um, we expect, right? And I thank you. Thank you so much for one, sharing your story. But I think when people think about grief, you think about loss, right? You think about loss of a person. Um, And as a nurse, as healthcare providers, healthcare professionals, I think we all grieve. Um, And I would love for you to give us a definition of what is grief? Because in my mind, I think we grieve various things. Um, like you were saying, as a healthcare professional working in oncology and hospice, I grieved a lot too. I, I grieved uh, patients. I grieved um, just many losses, losses of um, not being able to do my job, honor my patient's wishes. Um, with the pandemic, I grieved the loss of independence, grieve the loss of so many things. And now that the world has shifted, I think people are grieving more than people, if that makes sense. So I would love for you to give us a definition of what is grief? 
And grief is that huge umbrella, which, as you said, it can mean so many different things. It's, uh, I mean, for me, it's about the loss of my son. And as you said, it's the loss of a lifestyle that we had. It could be the loss of a job, uh, the loss of something that we've taken for granted. And all of a sudden you can lose that. And I know one of the aspects that after losing my son, because yes, it's the grief and the loss of a person. There's also the loss of self-identity, the self-worth. And these are things that we don't even think of equating with grief. And all of a sudden you're questioning, who am I? What role do I play? Um, I know for me, it's like afterwards, it's like when people ask me, how many children do you have? You, you get stuck. Like, do I say I had two? Is it one? Um, and sometimes you question, am I still a mother of two? Or is it a one? Because relationships change, right? All of a sudden, even family relationships change. So it really encompasses so much. But I think one of the other things of grief is that we also grieve for the past, right, of things that we could have or should have would have done, because then there's that guilt and regret. We grieve for the present of what we're in right now. And we also are grieving for the future, of uh, future dreams, future goals. Because sometimes, especially as a mom whose child has passed away, it's that future thing of what he would have become. Um, you know, would he have gotten married and had children? You know, is it that loss of future grandchildren that I'm not going to have? Uh, all these different things. And all of a sudden, as I looked at it, is because you become stuck. And when I mean stuck is that you feel like you really can't go in the past because the past hurts. The present right now, you have no idea because you're just surviving. <laughs> And the future seems so daunting and so fearful. And so that is where, when I say stuck, is where I think people kind of get stuck in because it's almost like you're afraid to move forward. You mentioned something so key about identity. So I always talk about, you know, when we're stressed and lost, when you're grieving or when you lose a loved one, that is some form of stress. And I always say that your identities are in conflict. So it's who you think you are, mm -hmm. who people perceive you to be, and then who you really are. So those things are in conflict because like you were saying, when you lost your son, it's like, well, then how many kids do I have? And my mother, like what, you know, what, what is your identity? So I think when something like that happens, you question, well, who am I really? Who do people perceive me to be? How do I kind of, you know, kind of fall into that role, whatever it is, whether it's right or wrong? And then who am I? How do I want to present myself to the world? So how do you align all of those identities while you're grieving? And I would love to hear your take on aligning identities. And that is such a great question, Wendy, because it is a challenging one, as you said, because what I find is that when you're in grief, I mean, most of the time, I think in this world, we all hide behind a mask or a facade, right? We're presenting ourselves how we think people are want us to be. 
right? It's sort of like we're fitting into this image. And when you're grieving, it's even more so of like all of a sudden you're kind of like, who am I? And when you go out and if you're presenting yourself as your true emotional self that you're a mess, all of a sudden you get other people looking at you like, oh, you're a mess. I don't know if I want to hang out with you. (laughs) And so then you start pretending. And so when you're outside, you have to take all this energy to pretend that everything is fine. You come home and you drop the mask and you're just spent. Like there's just no energy. And that's the sad part, I think, in our culture and society where we aren't, people aren't allowed to be who they are, right? It's like you have to measure up to whatever misconception society has of anything. And there's a lot of misconceptions about grief. Like there's that time limit, like, okay, we'll give you about two weeks and you should be over it. And I mean, and I'm sure you've seen it too, working with cancer patients. It's a journey. And we evolve, we sort of ebb and flow. There's days where we could be in a good place. And all of a sudden, there's moments where you're kind of like, my mess is just out there. And we're looking for someone to either show us compassion. Because I always say, it's not sympathy that people want right? Or pity. Uh, They don't want someone to say, oh, I feel sorry for you. No, they want someone to be compassionate, someone to be empathetic to say, yeah, you are going through some tough times, right? How can I support you? And that's really all it is. Because I always look at, you can't take someone else's pain away. You can't take someone else's experience away right? There is no magic wand or snap of a finger that all of a sudden, I mean, if there was, we'd all be doing it and going to a place where it's utopia somewhere, hopefully, right? Yes. And I think, you know, the work you're doing is so important for that very reason, because people feel like they have to go out and put on that mask. Because when people grieve, it's not normal, right? It's not normalized in society, even though it's a normal thing and it's intangible. It's like, what is it? And it may be very different for everyone. So grief, in my mind, I describe it like stress. It's intangible. It's a phenomenon that one experience, but that impacts your life. It impacts your ability to function. So as society, we need to talk about it more. So the work you're doing and, and being visible on social media is so important for the world to see that and know that it's okay. Yeah, you had loss and you are going to shift. Your life's going to shift. Your identity is going to shift, like you said. But how do you present yourself to the world and feel okay in that shift? And I think that's what you help people do. Is that correct? You help them kind of show up in the shift, as I'm putting it. (laughs) Yeah, and I like that. That's why I always go, shifts happen. And I love the word unapologetic, uh, because that's where now that I'm coming from, is a place of saying, you know what, I've gained my own inner calm and peace. My son's not coming back. I know that. And I always like to tell people, grievers know who died. So to tell us to accept the fact is kind of silly, (laughs) because we know who's not here. We know who's passed away. 
And that's not, so when I talk about acceptance, acceptance is really about saying, accepting that grief is going to be with us. It's with me. It travels with me. It's basically my companion now. Um, And that's where the acceptance comes from. Uh, I, I read something that grief now is in my bones. It's going to stay with me and it doesn't pay rent. All right. So when we look at it from that point of view, then I think as a griever, we can say, okay, now what is going to help me? What tools can I explore? Can I discover that it's going to give me inner peace and calm? Because again, it's going to look different for everyone else, right? It's when we talk about happiness. So I don't use even use the word happy. I actually prefer using joy because joy comes from within. I mean, let's face it. Do we have so many books that are saying the pursuit of happiness? Well, realistically, what is happiness, right? It's fleeting. It's hard to describe. Uh, yeah, I could have a cup of coffee. That might make me happy. I could win some money. That will make me happy. But how long does that happiness last? It's fleeting. Joy comes from within. And so what you're going to find joyful in life is really going to be up to an individual person. Where I want the shifts to happen is how are we looking at grief? What perception are we using it as? And then from there is what can we do that's going to give us inner calm and peace so that way we can move forward? Because I always go in grief, it's not about moving on or getting over it. Because what are you going to get over? I mean, when we lose a person or when they pass away, that's forever. So grief then is however long they're going to be die dead is however long we're going to grieve. And to have someone think of that there's a time limit um, seems utterly ridiculous. So it really is about how do, or like for me, it was about, so when I've learned, okay, I got that inner peace where now I'm not as activated. There are still days that I'm going to get activated. And I know that. And because I know that I can prepare for it right? It's it's not the same as taking a trip. I mean, some people go, it's like taking a vacation. You already know what you're going to bring. Well, sometimes yes. Uh, but other times there could be, you could be walking the street and someone's going to remind you of someone or there's a scent or a smell. However, you're going to be aware of it and sort of say, I'm acknowledging my feelings. And that's really what it's about of how to get it rather than, I think, as we had mentioned beforehand, about hiding. It's this hiding that actually causes us more pain. Because one of the other things, and I'm sure you've seen it too, grief shows up in our bodies also when we're hiding, right? It's like we can hide from ourselves and pretend that everything's fine. And in our, our bodies are going to show that it's not fine. The different stresses, the overwhelm, the the body aches, and even sometimes some illnesses that show up that we don't even think are totally related. So you brought up some good points, and I have a question for you. If someone is living a purposeful life or they feel like they have joy, 
and they experience loss, do you think their grieving process is different? I call it the grieving journey. <laughs> right? Um, yeah, process seems like it's meticulous and there's order. Um, journey, you know that the journey is going to be a mess. Actually, it just is going to depend on each individual person. Um, I mean, I know before my son passed away, I would have said I was joy-filled. And I didn't know the depth of grief of how much it was going to hit me. And I guess there's other different factors that also come in too. Uh, as I've done my research and taken my courses, there are traumas that we've had as children that also come up, which, I mean, who would have thought, right? Because we're thinking, okay, we're just dealing with this. It's not. It's all our past traumas that come up too. So if we were insecure as a child or had self-esteem issues, they all of a sudden show up right? The circumstances of um, how someone passed away, right, will show up. Because one of the things I always kind of go is that sometimes, you know, our society always puts everything on moms. Like, I don't know why moms have to be super moms, <laughs> right? It's like a woman, uh, they can do everything, they can work, do the home, do this, do this, do this. And you're kind of like, hey, I need a break. And that is, and grief, I think, just sort of seems to just, it's one of those, um, what is it, like um, the atom bomb kind of all boils in and then just comes up. So, yeah, I wouldn't um, say that. I mean, I have met some people who seem to have it all together. And when I say all together, we'll say, Yes, we know our child passed away. We've had this and we've done all this and we're fine. And it could also be the, the support system they have, right? So support is really important too in how this journey of grief is going to be going. Yeah, one thing I'll say to that, because you mentioned it a couple of times that people say you should get over it. There's no time frame for grief. But that's one thing that we as society need to be mindful of. Um, because it's a journey. It's an individual journey, as you said. And like the person you said who has it together, that could have just been a moment in time. So as soon as you walked away, that person could have been falling apart, right? So I think we have to not pass judgment. We have to allow people to have their journey, be on their journey, and like you said in the beginning, show compassion. I think we're so quick to judge. We're so quick to advise. And we're so quick to just, you know, I would never do that. I would do this if that was me. We're just so quick to do that. Opposed to just saying, this is this person's experience in this moment in time and accept it. And I think that's where the emotional intelligence come in. Like people have to have some sort of self-awareness and know how to control or regulate self. So they would know how to comfort or show compassion to someone who's experiencing loss. 
right? Or who's grieving, whether it's grieving, you know, a death or a, divor a divorce or a role or whatever it is, because I think people grieve various things. And that, that time when you said you get stuck, that, that stuck feeling makes me think of the stress cycle where you were just cycling and there's no way out. Like you feel like there's no way, way out. And that is where you become ill. You get the mental and the physical uh, repercussions of stress or grief. So how do you help people get out of that feeling of stuck or that cycle of stress? Thank you, Wendy. Uh, and you're so right, because there is, it feels like that hamster wheel, <laughs> right? Uh, so I do have a five-step program where we go through the different steps, right? I always go like we release. There's things that we need to acknowledge first, right? Things that happened in the past and also our own feelings of regrets and guilt. So um, I know that throughout my program, this is what we do. We go through that. We look at what is it that you can do at this time. At, and as I think you had mentioned too, boundaries. We don't even think of boundaries. And boundaries isn't even so much about sometimes what I will and will not accept or doing things, but it's also about what language are we talking to ourselves? What language are we going to have other people say? What are we going to accept? And who are we? do we want around us? Because sometimes in our journey, we're surrounded by others that are not being very supportive. And sometimes, yeah, you may not have a choice in that because they're your family members, but maybe we don't have to stay around them very long. Because as I've learned, the more you stay with people that keep telling you to get over it, to get back to normal, the more you become withdrawn, right? Because, and the more you start hiding behind this facade, this mask again. And that's what we want to break free from is I always say, we have to break the mold, break the mold of saying, you know what? I'm grieving and be open about the grief. And that's what we kind of go through. So it is a journey into an inner peace and calm is where I like to take people. So that way on their journey, they have better tools to help them with that. Because one of the things that I always like to really stress, <laughs> and it's not about getting stressed, but um, it's about this journey is, it's a life journey. It's not a destination, right? It's not like, I'm going to say, okay, take my, I'm going to help you. And then we're going to end up here, where all of a sudden, like everyone else is, you're going to be better or healed. Um, that's another word that I'm thinking, you don't really heal. <laughs> you come to a place of peace where uh, I, where grief is actually love. So this is actually coming from love. And when we know that grief and love can coexist, that's when the shifts start happening. But it's a journey to get there. And that's where I help people is that how do we do that shift? And they're little shifts, right? To get you to a place of saying, okay, I get it. I'm grieving because I love. And love is grief. So I'm okay. And that's where we want to get to a place of a place of calm, a place of peace, where you're like, I'm okay. I'm going to be unapologetic 
that I'm a griever. And if you don't like it, it's not my issue anymore. It's yours. <laughs> yeah, I I love that. Uh, love and grief coexisting. And it's the reframing of it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Have you heard of a concept called ambiguous loss? Ambiguous? No. Ambiguous loss. Yeah, I had uh, a friend who she does a whole workshop on ambiguous loss, but it's losing things that are like intangible. Um, it's ambiguous. You, you don't, you don't really know. Right. So um, someone you're not seeing, they're not dead, but they're just not present. Okay. Um, so kind of like intangible um, question for you uh, because you was a cancer caregiver to your son and I do a lot of work with cancer caregivers still. What is some advice you would have for someone caring for an individual with cancer, whether it's a child, whether it's a husband, whether it's, you know, whomever? What, what advice would you have for that person right now, just in retrospect of where you sit? Yeah, um, for that, I would say definitely take care of yourself. <laughs> One of the things that I learned is that I, you know, and it could be because as a caregiver, we're constantly thinking of the other person and I wasn't looking after my own health. I wasn't looking after my own well-being, right? Because someone else's well-being seemed, even though it's important, there has to be times where you're taking a break for yourself, for your own mental well-being, physical well-being. Um, because one of the aspects that I did, which I've learned, and this is hindsight, is that you can give, give, give. And then when something tragic happens, all of a sudden, I was depleted. Like I just crashed. Because it's that um, I'm living on a high level of stress. And it's that, I guess, that flight or fight. So it's, you're like stress, 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 stress. The stress becomes, I guess, normal, becomes commonplace. You're so used to it. And then all of a sudden something happens and there's that crash. And so that's what I would say. It's about pacing. It's still giving, but also really look after yourself, whether you're, um, going out for meditations, for walks, um, treat yourself to a spa day or something that gives you, the caregiver, something to relax and, you know, put the focus on you also. That I think is so important, which, and of course the reframing for cancer. I know we've had this conversation <laughs> that um, I, I never said the cancer <laughs> word, right? Um, and Tell that was- Tell us more about yeah. that. Well, because when my son was first diagnosed, he was 16 and I saw that he was getting depressed, um, you know, for the first six months. And then I thought, yeah, no, it's really affecting his mindset. So I had a conversation with him. And to me, it's kind of like, okay, we we got this diagnosis. We can't change it. However, rather than saying it's a cancer, we'll say it's a blood condition because it's a condition. You know, we'll just deal with it as it comes. Um, And I think that's my more pragmatic sort of style is I'm not going to worry about something where I don't know where it's going to go. Let's just deal with whatever comes right now. 
And doing that change of saying you have a blood condition, all of a sudden it sounds less threatening. Doesn't sound, um, for some odd reason, as soon as someone says cancer, it feels like it's a death sentence. And when we change it to something that's like, okay, it's a condition. Yeah, it's doable, right? There's things that we can do. We just do little switch, you know, shifts here and there of lifestyle and things like that. It's doable. And then I also did where I wasn't telling people that he had cancer. It was basically, I just told people, oh, yeah, it's a blood condition. Because even people's perception and that, you know, we come back again to perception. Uh, cancer is another, you know, that perception of cancer. It's as soon as you tell someone, all they ever talk about is, oh, are you okay? What's your treatment like? What's this? What's that? And I think rather than uplifting, it actually brings people down. Because we're looking with a mindset. And mindset is so important to me anyways. And I'm sure you see it a lot with the patients that you're dealing with. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point, it's doing what you need to do in that time to cope, whatever you want to call it, but it worked for you and your son and people shouldn't pass judgment on that. And people have to do what they have to do, you know, um, so I think I think that's fine. I think it's a very interesting way of going about it, like a blood condition. It is a blood condition, right? It's cancer, but it, it's a blood condition. But if that that helped in your situation, that's why I wanted you to kind of just uh, speak on it a little bit to, to give people another way of thinking about things. But I think in all, you have to do what helps you. And sometimes people don't know what that is. And I think that's why it's another point of why it's important the work you're doing, because you can relate to someone who has a loved one, you know, with cancer or who have lost a child, you know, so I just commend you for putting yourself out there and being of service, you know, to the world. It's so important. So, so, so important uh, what you do and what you're talking about. Um, Cause many people don't find there, there is no closure, so to speak. And I love when you said that it makes me think of um, a book. The book is still the book. You know, the loss is a chapter in the book, but it's still the book. I mean, you're, you're not changed. It's the same book. You're just going to turn the page and go to a different chapter. But I think it's important for people to know that they write that chapter. And I know people say that all the time, but it's so true. You write the chapter to your book, despite what's going on, despite what's happened, or despite what's going to happen in the future. At this very moment, you are able to write that chapter. So. And- that is so true. And I love how you put that in there, Wendy, that is so um, beautifully said, right? Um, and the last parting, I think, with grief that someone else had told me, and it really stuck to me. It's not a matter of w- if you're going to go through grief, it's a matter of when. Because all of us on this planet, at one time or another, are going to go through grief. And how we're going to, as you said, how we're going to write that chapter is really going to be dependent on our own points of view, our perspective. 
And I always go, I wish I had someone else when I was going through it to sort of say, look, these are what is going to be happening. Um, Expect it. It's not going to change anything. However, it's that support that someone else has walked through it, that someone else has sort of said, wow, look, they have peace, they have calm. Um, I think one of my aspects was, and I'm sure you've seen it all the time too, is that either the movies have portrayed or we've seen people in the past who have lost a loved one and you look at them and you're actually walking on eggshells. Like people around them are on eggshells and all you hear is, oh, that poor woman, she lost so-and-so and it's been so many years. She lost it. She's never been the same. Well, in life, none of us ever are ever the same, right? We evolve, we've changed. And I just want to make grief part of that evolving. We experience it and yes, it changes us. It changes us a lot. Now, doesn't mean that we don't live life again. We do. We just make a new chapter, a new path that we're going on. And that's basically where I want is to empower other grievers to say, you know what? Life doesn't end. Yes, at those moments and sometimes for years, that's what you feel like. However, it's then becomes how do we honor our loved one? What do we make their legacy mean? What do we then make it mean if we have other children and also helping others? Yeah, and it's a good point you bring up about helping others because someone, like you said, well, it's not about if if you're going to experience grief, it's when. And that when you don't know what to do because you've never experienced it before. So it's important to have someone like yourself or a coach or someone to kind of help you through that. And I always tell people, the reason I do what I do is because you're not alone. We're not alone in this world. Um, There's so many resources and people out here who can help move you to where you want to be. You just have to reach out. I always say like, put your hand out. There'll be a million hands reaching for your hand. But again, it's identity, understanding who you are who people think you are and who you want to show up as. But I think that the most important thing is who are you and how can you align those identities? So when you are in crisis or if you're grieving, you're okay with reaching out. No, not everyone's going to judge you, right? And I think you said at the beginning, it's building that supportive community around you. Who's your outlet? Do you have an outlet? You know, create the community you want, the people who are going to support you. Because again, you don't know, Uh, when it's going to happen. We will all experience it, but when it happens, are you ready? Are you prepared? So spend time really getting prepared and really just take care of yourself. People just need to take care of themselves. So before we wrap up, I would love for you to tell people how to reach you. And then I want to take you through a quick rapid fire, if that's okay. Oh, perfect. (laughs) Um, People can reach me at uh, www.mariabalanic.com. And of course, my email, hope at mariablanick.com. All right. Awesome. Well, this was a great conversation. Thank you so much for being here. But before you leave, I would love to take you through a quick rapid fire. So just answer the question with the first thought that comes to mind or just finish the sentence. Okay. 
wellness means? Wellness means self-care. One thing people don't know about me is? That I have a quirky sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) If I can do anything in this world, I would? Oh, I would definitely help more people that I can. One word that describes me is? Unapologetic. An ideal day in my shoes is? Having a good cup of coffee. Ooh, yes. <laughs> I love a good cup of coffee for sure. I, I love the simple things. Uh, I'm into all about simple pleasures. Doesn't have yes. to be a huge thing, but just. Yes. What are the last words you would leave with someone who you may not see again? Well, I hopefully, Wendy, that I will see you again. <laughs> I, I uh, loved what you're doing. Um, and I do, again, kudos for, because it does take a special person to be in oncology and to actually attend when people are really ill and are passing away. That is a gift that you give. And I, and I definitely want how much I appreciate of what you're doing. My parting gift to people listening is that it's okay to be who you are. And that is really the most important aspect, I think, is I always um, say that one of the parts of grief is that we have to relearn or even learn to love ourselves for who we are and who are we are becoming. I love that. Thank you so much. What an awesome way to end this episode. Thank you so much for being here, and I will definitely have you back. Thank you, Wendy. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend. Before you go, I would love to share a free stress management resource with you. Go to stressblueprint.com and download your free copy of the three questions to ask when you are stressed. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best.